Hi, Peter Borker here and welcome to today's edition of The Transition Guy. Now, joining me today in the studio is Kieran O'Neill, very much an expert in mental health and psychology as much as, much as in many other things. Welcome, Kieran. Hey, Peter. Thanks for having me on. And I mean, today, what I want to look at is something that's been going on around the world. And I call it same storm, different boats. Because you and I both know that the pandemic has really touched everyone. But the challenge is some people and some people have been massively infected and other people less so. But why do you think it is that people in the same industry, some people have managed to ride the storm a lot better than others when they're in exactly the same industry? I think it's the way in which they're interpreting the environment. Because often them and their competitors are going to be getting the same stimulus. They're going to be seeing the same information, the same market conditions coming in, but they're going to be having different psychological responses. And really it's that ability to adapt to change because everything has changed. The ways that you interact with clients, the way that you interact with your family, the way that you interact with your team, all of it has been pretty scary. And on top of that, once you're locked in at home and you're having to readapt how you work, we're getting all of this news from all around the world. Like India's gone to, gone to pot today. The Haiti president's just been assassinated. Uh, what else is like, if you look around, they're just getting all this different information. And some people have been able to filter that out, put the blinkers on and going, right, I need to make sure that my team, my customers, my business is safe and I'm going to adapt to whatever. And others have had much stronger emotion, re- emotional reactions and haven't been able to adapt to the stimulus that's coming in uh, in comparison. So I think it's very much the the ways in which people are dealing with the change and being able to adapt and recognizing that the old world's not coming back. It's not coming back for a while and it might never come back. But those that have embraced that are the ones that are getting ahead versus the ones that are still clinging on to what was. What do you think keeps people clinging on? Because I've seen loads of people clinging on. We can't do this because of that. We're going to wait. Things. I mean, I often heard the words, we are going to wait for things to return back to normal. What do you think is prompting that behavior? Because you and I know that, hello, hit the new normals here. We may not necessarily like it, but the world's changed. Why do you think people hold on to something that just isn't there anymore? I blame evolution. It's evolution's fault. So we're not built to change. We're not built to adapt. If you think about it, right? Let's go back however many hundreds of thousands of years. If we were in the jungle, it was risky for us to go and pick up a new berry and eat it because it might kill us. It was risky for us to go into a new part of the jungle because we didn't know what was there. We didn't know whether it was going to be alive or not, whether there's a tiger or some other predator that could take us out. So we're hardwired to not change physiologically and psychologically because that's what keeps us safe. But think about how quickly our environments have changed in the last six months, the last year, two years, five years, 10 years, 25 years, the world has just completely changed. So our environments are changing so fast, yet actually our physiology and our psychology has taken thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of years to get to this point. They haven't adapted. So it's really, really hard for us naturally to deal with change because we're not used to things changing this quick. Now, those that have been able to get ahead have run into change and they've cultivated a mindset to go, right, you know what, things have changed, let's adapt, let's move forward. Whereas the majority of people and as human beings, we're we're not built for change that fast. We're built to keep things simple. We're built to keep things safe. So that's what's really going on here. 
And do you think that do you think that the two sort of the two big incidences in the last 30 years being 0809 and COVID, do you think that's added an extra level of trauma to it all? Well, think about it. What other events outside of world wars in those generations, if we think back, have things changed as rapidly in those times? Nothing. In the world wars, right. Because in the world wars, all of a sudden, we didn't have food. We didn't have safety. We didn't have shelter. You know, bombs were coming in. But if we think about the period after that, yeah, sure, there were booms and busts, but nothing to, to those sorts of crazy, the whole Cold War scare. But so we as a population haven't really had it pretty fucking good, to be honest. Mm. And now these moments have come, actually, if you look at back in history, these things aren't as bad historically. And actually, even with all of this chaos going on, we're still in an incredibly fortunate position. You know, most of us are, everybody listening to this podcast is fed. They have shelter, food, friends, family. What fucking, how amazing is that? You know, but actually we forget, historically, we've never been this successful ever. How detrimental do you think perhaps social media has been in the last year? Well, I'll give you some context to it. Because if you, if you take the whole sort of rise of Facebook, I mean, people have just been sort of, it's been what I would call the poser platform. People are sort of projecting these fantastic lives and it's like all of a sudden people have been dropped drawn into it's like a comparison website for people and everyone's comparing themselves to what everybody else has had what everyone else has got and i'm just wondering how much more that's been magnified during the whole sort of lockdown period and also by it being magnified how much of a detrimental effect has that had i think well because we haven't been able to go out and have experiences and we've kind of all been locked in. If we just think about social media as a general and a whole, it basically takes a 0.1% of successes and, and experiences and people and everybody's doing hyper, hyper successful and everybody's making loads of money and everyone's gorgeous and everybody's clever and everybody's got all these different things. And it basically collates all of it. Cause if we think about keeping up with the Joneses, you know, 50 exactly. years ago, it was literally, you looked out the window and that was your neighbor, but your neighbor now is in your phone and your neighbor is a 19 year old kid that's just sold his first business for, you know, half a billion dollars. <laughs> so the, the ability to look in the, out, well, the way of your, essentially keeping up with the Joneses is just so much more hyper competitive. And if you're not in that space and you're thinking, well, oh, bloody hell, I'm like in the middle of my thirties, we've only just hit a million in revenue and like, you know, these 21-year-olds are smashing it out of the park or you're, and you're seeing a lot of younger girls and comparing themselves to Instagram models that are anorexic with, you know, lots of plastic surgery done. It's and like, Photoshop. Not, and Photoshop, yeah, it's, not, it's just not, not realistic. It just doesn't make sense. So what you've got is everybody's comparing themselves and they don't have any idea as the context, their backgrounds, their stories, what got them there. And it just doesn't work. So people are, instead of just focusing in on, in on what is it that I'm doing, how can I protect my kingdom? How can I look after my business, my family, my friends? How can I do the best in that? They're too busy looking at everyone else. So they're taking their eye off the ball. So as they're taking their eye off the ball, to answer your question earlier, which was what's the difference between those that are stuck in the, I'm waiting for it to change. Well, while they're stuck there comparing themselves or comparing to the world they had before, 
the other lot who are thriving and getting ahead have already accepted that change a long time ago and they've already built systems they've already adapted to the market and and they're already planes sailing on off they go and i think that's the important thing is that they've adapted to the market they've actually changed what they're doing and it's the same like with retail you take retail retail has been one of those industries that has been absolutely clobbered because you can't physically leave the house which is absolutely fine but no one was no one ever stopped any of these businesses going online yet very few did I spent a lot of time in retail. I used to sell uh, data analytics software and e-commerce software. And you can always tell the difference of going into a legacy retailer that's been around for 40, 50 years and speaking to their e-commerce team. And it's like, it just doesn't work like that here, Kieran. That's what I used to say. You've got loads of legacy technology. It takes a lot more time to get stuff done. Whereas if you go into another retailer where they're just solely e-commerce, they're like, yeah, let's run a trial. Let's plug it in. Let's see if it works. If it doesn't work, we'll just can it. And we'll just go into something else. And and just the mindsets are just completely different. Somebody that's done a great job of that is John Lewis as a legacy retailer that's yeah. been able to completely pivot into their, their online space and create really good digital experiences. That's like, that's a really, really good one to, to look at. But a lot of the other guys, no wonder they're going bust and, and going under, you know? And actually, they, know, they already sort of mapped out the retail outlets that they know is not going to recover. It's not going to bounce back. And they're already making plans to turn that into housing where you're going to have a waitrose downstairs and you're going to have flats and housing above. I think that's a genius idea. Probably yeah. makes it really easy to get your shopping delivered as well. Well, they're, they're already, they've already accepted the new world. They're moving yeah. on. And that is why they've survived for so long because they've been able to go, right, we need to reinvent ourselves. They're not afraid to hold on to that old identity of what John Lewis used to be. They're able to keep their core values, which is always put the customer first. Mm and provide an excellent customer service and gone, well, actually, we're going into the new world now. And that's why they survive. And that's why you see the older retailers, the ones that are clinging on to the old world, they're just, no wonder they've been clobbered. Debenhams is a great example. But actually, they've been sticking to the old world for way too long. I mean, they've been dying a very slow death. So you, I mean, you work with all kinds of entrepreneurs. That, they'll come to you. They'll come to you around mindset. How do you help them start shifting their thinking? Because you probably get people from all kinds of spectrums. Those are uber successful and those that are just struggling to change. What are the kind of top tips you can give people to start moving forward? So I think looking at what is it that the presenting emotion is coming up? Is it fear? What are you afraid of? When you're stuck in that fear, what is it you believe about yourself to be true? Begin the sentence with I, and use that as a starting basis. For example, people are like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not good enough or I'm not going to be able to survive this. And you say, okay, because? Because we're not built for this world. And that means I'm going to fail. Okay, well, let's work on that. Where does that fear come from? Where does that fear of change come from? Where does that self-limiting belief that doesn't allow you to move on? So I, I like to start with limit, limiting beliefs or challenging emotions that are presenting themselves. Because once we've got that, often... We will have our inner wisdom. We all know what we need to do. It's just our emotions distract us. Our emotions, and you probably see this with your clients all the time. They kind of know what they need to do, but for whatever reason, they've got it stuck in their heads that it's just not possible or they're panicking or they're stressed. And then they start, and once everybody knows strong emotions make us stupid, it cuts down our time frames, it cuts down our options. And the way in which they make decisions is actually really, really quite shit because they're making emotional decisions, not looking at the facts. So identifying those key 
limiting beliefs or key emotions is really, really the start. Because once you start to recognize what it is that you're wrestling with, then you can start to go, well, where does that come from? And you can start to unpack that. And you can start putting tools and techniques and building a playbook to manage that. So you make sure that you're not making decisions, short-term panic mode decisions. And you go, okay, let's take that step back and let's look at the facts, the brutal facts, and go, right, if I continue how I'm continuing, where am I going to land and look at consequence? And actually, if you're not, not happy where you're going to land and you know you've got to change, but often we don't ask ourselves what are the consequences of staying, staying how we are. So I think they're the two things really is identifying and then looking at the consequences. Once you hold up that mirror, there's two types of people in the world. Some people look in the mirror and they go, okay, yeah, don't like what I see. I need to make a change. Others look out the window. And the ones that look out the window are the ones that their competitors and their markets are going to outmaneuver them. And do you think that these, that the ones that always look out the window, do you think that they ever change in time or do you think that they just get swept out to sea and they just drown? I think some do change. I think some, a lot of them will drown. Um, but often the ones that change, it tends to be a big life event. It could be a divorce. It could be a death in the family. It could be the business completely fails and they have to reinvent sure. themselves. So it's, it's like, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to wait until that happens? Or do you actually want to make a change now? And some people just can't do it. They have to wait for that big implosion moment. And then they go, right, I need to go make changes. Others will start to recognize that and they'll go, well, I don't want to go down that route. And then that's where they'll put their hand up and they'll make a change. It's interesting what you say there, because I just wonder on that journey to that major event, I wonder how much of that is self-sabotage. Most of it. Because so they actually set up that scenario for them to fail because they're yeah. constantly running that script unconsciously in the back of their head. Some people will know they have an issue and you hear these people all the time. They're like, oh, I know, but that's just how I am, you know? Or, they'll, or they go into denial. Oh, no, it's, it's just, it's fine. It, it can't possibly mean they'll blame their environment. They'll blame the market. They'll blame their team. They'll blame the product. They'll blame the competitors. And then it's so easy to keep pointing fingers outwards. They won't actually go inwards. And it's only, it takes that big life event and you can only connect the dots looking backwards. And then as they look backwards, they go, maybe it was me. And there'll be some people that will never make that realization and I'll just continuously blame their external environment. But they're the ones that get swept out, drowned to sea, and they don't survive. And it's interesting because as we speak right now, there's tons of finger pointing. And it really goes back to we're all in this same storm. The question is going to be, what are you doing to navigate through it? So is there any other sort of suggestions you would give people sort of tuning into today's episode? In regards to mindset or dealing with the storm? Well, the mindset aspect of dealing with the storm. Because the storm, I mean... You said the majority of that storm's in your head. I think accepting, this is going to be a big thing here, is acceptance. Accepting that the world is not going to be how it used to be. Right. For those, and there'll be some people that will still be stuck. Yeah, but once everybody's got the double dose of the vaccine, like we'll go on holiday again. No, that world's not coming back. And I think for those that haven't accepted that things aren't going to be the same again, yeah. uh, they need to really knuckle down and go right things are starting to change that old world's not coming back we might get resemblances of that old world but also think about the new world think about the opportunities in that like you know my whole team in total men's performance they're all remote they work all around the world i don't, I don't literally do not care where my team is i just want the best people working in the best way and to get paid as much as they can 
uh, and make the most amount of change for their clients. And that's it. That's all I care about. So I'm, I've embraced the new world. And I'm excited for that. So there's loads of opportunities in this new one, but we're not hardwired to look at the opportunities. We're hardwired to look at, oh, but we're not going to have this anymore. Or what if this doesn't work out? So I think acceptance is going to be the big part. Or they're waiting for that date when things go back to normal, but it doesn't. It's very much what Viktor Frankl talked about in his book, Man, Man's Search for Meaning. I mean, it's exactly that. It's the people that gave up, they ended up dying in the concentration camps. Exactly that. And they gave and up was, hope. That's it. And then also the people that waited for it, to, oh, it'll be over by Christmas. It'll all be over by Christmas. And then Christmas rolled around, it wasn't over. And then boom, they were out. They checked out, they were done. And it's recognizing that, okay, well, Christmas might never come. And accepting that there are no guarantees in this world. There are no guarantees. And once you can accept that, it's like, well, okay, fine. If it does come back, that's a bonus. Because that's how I see it. If life goes back to normal, like it was, that's, that's, that's a huge bonus. But I'm not, I'm not expecting life to go back like that. So I've, I've, I've already adjusted my mindset to go, things aren't going to go back to normal. And that's fine. And I'll, I'll make the best of what I have right now. And, it, and it's really that acceptance piece for those that are still stuck in the, oh, but July 19th, it'll be fine. Christmas, it'll be fine. There's loads of different variants. There's going to be loads of different viruses. There's always going to be stuff going on. Accept that. This is the new world that we're in. What an opportunity. And I think General Stockdale and the Stockdale Paradox really illustrated it really well when he said, what you've got to do is you've got to be extremely optimistic about the future, but you've got to face the, the, the harsh, brutal facts of your reality. If we can do that, then we stand half a chance. Absolutely. And if you over-rotate on either side, if you only look at the brutal facts... It can get pretty fucking hard and pretty scary. Absolutely. Well, you'll end up having a mental breakdown. Whereas yeah. if you're overly optimistic and it doesn't happen, you'll also have a mental breakdown. Either yeah. way, if you're not careful and you don't have to be balanced, you're going to have a mental breakdown. If, uh, if anyone tuning in today wants to know more about you, where do they go? So if you want to keep in touch, there's two places and uh, the links will be in the show notes. So go on LinkedIn and just search Kieran Louise O'Neill and I'll be there. Uh, otherwise, if you're on Instagram, uh, I do post some more personal posts on there just about mental performance, mental health. Uh, and that's more Kieran side of things. Uh, so, uh, yeah, just click on on either of those links. Um, before we jump off, is there any final questions you've got for me, Peter, while people are clicking onto those links? No, but you know what? I think you've covered everything really well. There's the takeaways that they'll have. Let's let them take them away and take action. That's the most important thing. Now, if anything that we spoke about today resonates with you, want more information, head over to Borka.com and get in touch. If you like today's episode, make sure you subscribe. Please share it with others that can benefit. And most importantly, take action. And remember, failing to learn is learning to fail. Thank you very much. Kevin's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Peter.